I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. This is David and this is your new episode of Base Slayer and one I'm really quite excited about as I usually like to say, but this one's a little different. Uh, this is a portfolio company that is now in our new venture fund. I have Peter Ng, the co-founder of Blockchain Space with me today. Peter, how are you? Very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on, David. Looking forward to this. And Peter, where are you in the world located? So I'm actually based in the Philippines. Um, I used to be based actually in the city center in, in Manila, and uh, but the Due to the uh, current circumstances with the virus, um, I decided to kind of move out of the city center and get closer to uh, wildlife. Right. So uh, I'm actually based on a on an island right now. So I always like to you know kind of highlight this a little bit once in a while because global reach of digital assets, not just here in the states, not just in parts of Europe, but also on islands and places, and like in the Philippines where there's been just such a concentration of interest with uh, Planar and Gaming, with Axie, with Yield Guild Games, and so much other things going on there. We're going to talk a bit all about blockchain space and how it fits into the play-to-earn narrative that is driving the market recently. Before we do that, Peter, what we like to do is we like to talk to the founders about what they did prior to their new endeavor, their new project. And so if you could give us a little background about yourself, what did you do before blockchain space? And then bring us up to speed how you got inspired uh, to build blockchain space. What inspired you to actually become a founder in this world? And then we're going to talk all about blockchain space, about what it does, the purposes, the use cases, all that good stuff. But before that, let's go rewind the tape a little bit and find out a little bit more about you. Yeah, it sounds awesome. So um, the funny thing is that um, it's a, it wasn't too recently I actually realized that, you know, um, founding the current startup um, which you have uh, actually invested in is um, actually a culmination of basically my years of professional experience. And um, that's something that actually I didn't realize um, immediately, but it's something that uh, people have actually mentioned to me in the last coming weeks. And um, yeah, so if I kind of start from, uh, start with my accent. So um, I'm actually a British born Chinese, um, originally from the UK. Um, grew up there basically into my mid twenties and, um, moved to Switzerland, uh, basically in my mid twenties. And, uh, it was around that time that I kind of was looking for something meaningful in, in work. And, um, so previously, uh, my first ever job actually was, uh, basically working for an airport advertising company. And so what I used to do was I, I used to plan media sites, uh, kind of advertising campaigns across different airports around the world. Uh, didn't provide a huge amount of meaning, but uh, was fantastic for traveling, which is what I wanted back then, um, coming straight out of university. Uh, but when I arrived in Switzerland, you know, um, Switzerland being a place where, you know, things just are 
working and uh, opportunities are basically there to be taken uh, should you want it. And um, this is kind of where I had my first endeavor into uh, the ethical kind of world, which is more about ethical investments um, and you know, social, uh, uh, environmental, social governance, uh, kind of like a meaningful work, I guess. And um, at, at the time, I thought CSR was um, an amazing job, right? Um, this was just probably around the time when I think um, you, Mohammed Yunus basically just won the Nobel Peace Prize for uh, Grameen Bank. And uh, so microfinance was a really big thing at the time. And, um, you know, I was looking for kind of more meaningful work. And so I ended up working for uh, what's called an ESG risk data company in Zurich. Um, so I, we used to basically look at how ethical a company was based on their um, environmental, social, and corporate governance standards. And uh, the way we would do this is basically to collate data from my public sources and then basically to scan that data, analyze it, and um, to come up with kind of... Um, uh, a risk assessment on kind of any articles that would cover a, a particular company. And so that's what I was doing for about uh, four to five years. And that's actually what brought me kind of to the Philippines. And so um, when I did arrive in the Philippines, I was actually running uh, the Philippines subsidiary for this company. And so we were basically building out uh, research and analyst um, kind of capacity out of the Philippines and um, trying to expand uh, basically our headcount. Um, and from there, it's basically, um, I've kind of been in the tech world. And um, uh, for those who um, who haven't been to the Philippines before, uh, you can imagine it like, um, so there are parts of the modern world that you can very, very much kind of are very familiar, um, but certain things just don't work. And there are some inconveniences that... Um, just look like they're solvable problems from a, a foreigner's perspective. And that's kind of what drove me into kind of like this e-commerce space when I was here and, and seeing kind of like problems with traffic, uh, seeing problems with um, how uh, unaffordable some things were and how inaccessible they were. It, it kind of like drove me into this fintech and e-commerce space. And so I'm, I'm kind of going the long-winded route, but uh, I think it all kind of like culminates and makes sense uh, eventually. Um, so basically from this fintech e-commerce space, you know, um, learned a lot about kind of um, how really, uh, you know, you, you should really analyze data. So all these presumptions that we had previously, you know, it was all about kind of um, uh, read the data, let the data, let the data basically make the decisions for you, as opposed to um, you may have thought that certain kind of like uh, goods were going to sell better than other goods. You know, and uh, the data tells you otherwise, you always go with the data, you know, and if you need to uh, test hypotheses, you you can base it off some of the data, but, you know, eventually you will. So it's something I used to do with one of those big e-commerce players uh, when I was um, hired there is actually um, we used to kind of like A-B test uh, with something called flash sales. Mm -hmm. And um, that, that meant like within a 12-hour period, you try and sell kind of like uh, across like 15 different product categories, you know, as discounted items as possible mm -hmm. to see uh, what could drive, uh, what could basically be used as like a marketing uh, reach tool and right. like a marketing growth hack. And, so, um, you know, you, you'd have to test different hypotheses together. 
Yeah, so obviously you have unpacked years and years of your life, your professional career into, you know, different pockets, obviously from, you know, days of fintech and things of that nature. And then you have gotten to this world where you have been what we call an ambassador, an educator, or someone that has been helping those in the region to learn about Axie Infinity uh, and be able to participate with that and also work with YGG, with the old Guild Games. And I think this is really interesting because for those that don't know, we're going to talk about what blockchain space does specifically. But for those that don't know, the Philippines has been a huge core catalyst for growth of both Axie and YGG. And what's happened, and we've talked about this you know, publicly as well, you've seen this idea of different digital assets throughout the last five or six years that have promised the ability for future growth, potentially, speculative growth, where you invest in X and then all of a sudden X goes to X squared or X to the 10th power. Um, you see massive growth. But with what... Axie Infinity have done, especially with YGG, is they've developed a game where the in-game asset, and this is what we call SLP, Special Love Potion, is something that you win when you're playing that game. And with those winnings, you have the ability now to have on and off ramps where you can actually repatriate those to local currency and we're seeing people pay for their food, their clothing, their rent by playing this game. And so Peter has been in the middle of all of this over the last few years. And so can you give us a little insight into the growth? How did it start? Were, was there a lot of um, education that you needed to give uh, people within the region about Axie? How did you actually start getting people to play it and learn about how to do it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to do it as a continuation of um, the the starting uh, question, which is basically um, so what happened after the e-commerce then is basically um, alongside e-commerce and fintech, I was um, running a blockchain education hub. Um, I basically had co-invested in in a co-working space uh, in the city center. And um, we were using the event space basically to host um, blockchain meetups. So uh, very fortunately, obviously, um, back in 2018, I had the fortune to uh, meet uh, all basically the whole Filipino crypto community. So when we talk about, you know, Gabby, we talk about, you know, um, any any of the kind of like uh, founders in the Filipino space, I pretty much knew them all um, just through basically the meetup scene. And so it was a very, very tight knit um, kind of circle. And, uh, you know, everyone was kind of focusing on their different areas of interest. And um, it just so happened that Gabby was coming from a gaming background um, and had got in touch with um, Axie Infinity, I think, from a previous conference and invited them down to the Philippines. So back in 2018, Axie Infinity was not the game that you're looking at today. It was basically... A website with an auto battling system where you'd queue matches, you know, and the AI would basically tell you what the result was at the end of the day, you know. And so owning axes was not as fascinating. I mean, it was, you know, if you were into kind of like the algorithms and 
you know, how, how, you know, to play against computers, you might find it fascinating. But, you know, back then it wasn't about PvP, it wasn't about playing against each other, and there was definitely no earning element to it. And so um, I think there was basically a combination of different things that kind of happened um, in the last couple of years. And um, uh, yeah, let me try and bring them all out. So the first thing is um, uh, Axie, um, uh, it, it, they, they, they had a hyper growth problem um, so with um, the number of Axies that were getting bred and they needed a way to basically control like a, a kind of like a tax model, which they could use to uh, tax um, uh, breeders so that they didn't breed uh, too many axes. And um, what happened is that SLP token basically came in as this tax form. So you'd have to pay for this SLP token to be able to breed, right? But then um, they needed to be able to balance that breeding basically with uh, uh, kind of like a, 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 I guess, like a supply side. So you had a demand side, but you needed a supply side, right? And uh, the supply side basically became uh, the side which is um, the players of the game basically could start earning that token. Now, what happened last year, and it's crazy to think that it's only just pretty much just been a, a year and a bit now since Axie went crazy in the Philippines is, you know, um, back when that token was created, you know, there was uh, a Filipino family or one Filipino guy actually up in the north of the Philippines that basically dis uh, discovered that they could play this game and, you know, earn some cryptocurrency and potentially convert it into Philippine peso. And, um, you know, at, at the time, so what was happening and, and the reason why, you know, actually even flagged this is because um, this person or this Wi-Fi or IP address, right, was playing Axie around the clock, like 24-7, you know, and um, it basically been going on for a number of days, maybe even weeks. And so I actually tried and looked into it, thinking that it was an automated bot, you know, playing the game. And then they were, they basically got in touch with this guy and said, look, send us a video um, evidence of um, of you actually playing this and that that it's not a bot. Right? And then what it turned out to be was, you know, uh, this guy, his wife, his children, his aunts, his parents, his, uh, you know, cousins and so on. They basically all grouped up together to share one Wi-Fi connection and they were all playing Axie under one roof, you know, and they were just basically taking turns. And, it, uh, you know, each of them had their own accounts. And so they basically were just grinding SLP, you know, all night long. And so this guy was basically one of those pioneers. Um, and obviously, like uh, some, some of our colleagues over here um, who work in the crypto PR um, scene, they... Uh, decided to kind of like dig deeper into the whole story and um, kind of uncovered like a, a real truth, you know, that, you know, earning cryptocurrency in a computer game could be, you know, uh, you know, actually like a viable like earning method, especially during COVID, because all you needed was a mobile phone and an internet connection. And uh, in the Philippines, mobile uh, mobiles are like uh, absolutely abundant. So I think we have some like 120% mobile penetration in, in the country, meaning like everyone has pretty much more than one mobile wow. uh, headset, handset. And um, it just made a lot of sense. And, you know, and, and internet is getting better and better and better. Mm. So meaning, that, you know, um, if you have a business which only requires a mobile phone and an internet connection, 
you know, it could be a very viable, you know, business, uh, especially during this time. Wow. Um, as soon as that article came out, um, it basically absolutely exploded. It just, it went from zero to hero kind of thing. You know, it mm-hmm. went from literally that I think, you know, the number of players in Axie at the time, you know, I think uh, even after two months of this article being published, there's only like 10,000 players in Axie at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and today we're looking at 2 million players. That's right. right? So, you know, in a space of a year, you've seen it go from 10,000 to 2 million. How did that happen? Right. So there's a couple of things. And so I'm going to connect the dots now. So, you know, I basically was running this blockchain education hub. And uh, one thing that we were uh, looking to do was basically, um, you know, we were always trying to get people into this new technology. Right. We were trying to get people into crypto without getting them in, in the scam side. Mm-hmm. Right. And in the Philippines, it's always been notorious that crypto was always related to scammers. Like, um, there was always pyramid schemes happening. There was always people trying to sell like dodgy cryptos to people and they would buy it and then they, they wouldn't get anything in return or mm-hmm. they buy into the Ponzi system. And then suddenly that, you know, there was Axie coming out and it was, it just seemed more reasonable that, okay, if I play two, three hours of this game a day, then I'm getting cryptocurrency as a reward, you know, then this seems a more feasible or viable business model than like uh, what these other uh, businesses are offering, right? And um, <clears throat> so uh, what, what what kind of happened is, um, you know, they, yeah, there was this ab- absolute explosion basically of, um, you know, uh, the 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 I, I guess there was there's you can call it the Filipino effect, right? So you have like a community of a hundred people um, playing Axie. That hundred people will now go off and tell ten other people. Then it comes to the next thousand people. Then the thousand people goes to the next ten ten thousand people. You know, and it basically kind of happened like this, and um, it absolutely just exploded. You know, and it, it was the right time, uh, the right narrative. You know, it was. Basically, you want a job during COVID, you've right. got a mobile phone, have you got internet? And um, it basically just took off. And, um, you know, um, then, then you know, it was down to the Filipinos. And I've never seen uh, any community adjust like the Axie community that was ready to defend the narrative, right? Yeah. Uh, so the Filipinos were so used to all these scam projects. And so it was very important that the Axie community got together and said no. This is not a scam. This is how uh, the SLP token earns uh, or accrues value. That's right. right? Um, there are breeders on the other end, right? Um, you know, and it was very important to basically educate people. Yep. And um, yeah, the education was incredible. So I, I, I would say, like you know, um, to replicate this is almost, you know, uh, very, 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 very hard. Because it, a, a lot of it was driven by the community. Yep. You know, I, I, I had a very deep-rooted community that they loved the idea, but then realized, like, you know, this company really does want to be able to help us. And they kind of, like, pivoted to this um, narrative that, you know, okay, we're going to we're gonna help you guys to basically play play computer games for a living. And, That's right. You know, who, who doesn't love that narrative? That's right. So let's, okay. let's talk more about blockchain space. Um, so... You've laid out an amazing narrative, and I did not know that story, by the way. Um, and I hope everyone can, you know, there are videos about um, people in the Philippines playing 
uh, Axie to actually, you know, as I said, make money so they can buy food and pay for clothing and actually pay for rent. There are videos out there, so it, it can be substantiated. What's happened is that during this time, you, if you want to play Axie, you effectively need to have three of the NFTs. And those three NFTs have been hovering around anywhere between 200 to 300 US dollars per, per NFT. Now, that is something that is a barrier to many people within you know, certain parts of the world. Um, and so what YGG has come through is this idea of a scholarship where they will effectively provide the player those three NFTs and they can then start playing. And in return, 70% of those fees, the, the, the winnings go to the player and then the other 30% goes to YGG and the infrastructure that has supported that. So where blockchain space comes in is in this idea of actually automatically and systematically playing, paying those players uh, in a way that is efficient. So talk to us about blockchain space now. We've laid out kind of how Axie blew up in the Philippines. I just laid out a little bit of YGG's model in terms of scholarships. Talk to us about the pain points that you address with blockchain space. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, we, we see this play-to-earn uh, space growing uh, absolutely enormously in the coming years. Um, there's basically a queue of different games uh, that are waiting to be adopted by all these different communities uh, that have already basically been set up in the last year, and they keep, uh, they keep popping up. Right? And uh, these communities, we actually call them guilds. Right, so it's like an a, a, an online community that's basically aligned in a mission to basically play computer games for a living. Right now, currently, uh, the one game that most people are playing is Axie Infinity, just because they have the most mature business model and um, you know earning in the game is basically already proven and it, it works. Right, but in the future there will be other games. Now, um, something that we've been doing, and it's because basically we also were one of these Axie scholarship programs, and we still continue to run an Axie scholarship program, we have to learn basically together with all the other communities, you know, um, what are the pain points? What are the, um, how, uh, what what kind of data and what kind of um, uh, information do these guilds need? You know, because one thing that people don't realize is the, those guilds that are getting set up right now, they are predominantly being set up by gamers. Right. These are people that basically discovered the game, then discovered there's a business behind the game, right? That they could get involved in, right? Uh, if I have more than one account, now I can lease this out to multiple people. Now, um, now these guys are not typically kind of crypto native. They're not, um, finance savvy. Um, they, they don't necessarily know all about DeFi, right? And that's kind of like where we kind of step in, right? So we come in basically not only with kind of like uh, a CRM tools to basically help, you know, these people who have never run these businesses before to provide more transparency over like the performance and the earnings uh, that are happening within their guilds, but also to help educate, you know, uh, and share kind of like uh, uh, best practices and, uh, you know, bleeding edge kind of like innovations within the community, you know, by incentivizing the community to kind of like share the knowledge uh, amongst themselves, 
because you know the guild managers are basically at the forefront of all these new innovative new business models so we've been very fortunate that um through running our own axie scholarship program you know um as uh under the brand of axie academy which is one of our education hubs that helps to educate other guild owners right um uh so through axie academy uh we actually built out a tool and uh this tool actually was um uh it's native to discord so it's actually a bot and it provides a lot of information uh in terms of uh earnings to scholars on a daily basis uh and you literally just type in a command uh in the in a discord server chat and for those who don't know discord you know it's basically like slack um so you type in a a, a command and then the bot talks back to you like pretty much simultaneously and uh the bot basically is providing earnings data to all these gamers uh that are sitting within these guilds and uh right now that bot is actually in uh, around 1500 different guilds so um 1500 different discord servers and so we've been in this basically this very privileged position where we've basically been aggregating a lot of data right um over h- how long a period and okay so you know what's useful about this data well because this is a completely new uh part of the space so it's a completely nascent uh industry uh you know most people just don't know how to benchmark you know so if you have a lot of data across multiple different guilds you can already start to provide some kind of like a transparent uh data that helps other guilds to understand where do I fit in within the picture you know and also how are other people doing it because no one really knows how other people are doing it you just assume that you're doing it to the best uh, of your own ability right and and the idea to make these guys even more successful is basically provide more insights into you know uh what other people are doing so examples of this are what are the most used team compositions for a game right and how are they using that to earn as much as possible uh-huh. like how many hours a day are these people playing you know on average within like the best performing guilds uh-huh. right? how do we learn all these best practices right and that's basically where we position ourselves is so so number one we see ourselves as basically this data bank where we're going to be able to provide kind of insights to all other guilds to be able to help them to prosper because this industry is already so difficult already on its own um you already have very very volatile like cryptocurrency rates where like you know the for instance like the in-game token you're earning in axie for instance you know could plummet you know over a, the course of a month which pretty much it did at one stage you know and it might retrace something like 60 70% uh-huh. you know and then you're thinking okay has this thing you know been a uh, a good ride and do i need to get out are the people are still doing this now how many other guilds are there that are still doing this right. you know and it will you know having that kind of data knowing that other people are still in it for the long long term you know it basically helps all people to understand like you know uh you know how this industry is basically going to evolve right and so the business insights is going to be absolutely useful right and then the second part of this sorry david i will <laughs> no, really no. jump in but uh, it it basically runs off the back of all this data so what can you do with this data and basically i i kind of told you like from my past 
Um, you know, I, I worked in the fintech e-commerce space. You know, I, I'm used to uh, building out risk uh, models. You know, from my uh, ESG risk days. You know, and um, actually, one thing I didn't mention is, you know, I was working on a uh, on a consultancy project with PwC at one stage, uh, and here in the Philippines, and we were working on a project on open data, basically mm-hmm. for the fintech industry. You know, so this is all kind of like culminated right now in what we uh, also see uh, for this business, which is the second part is, you know, we look into financial products that we can offer to the guilds um, around the world as well. Now, what kind of data do we hold that can help uh, build financial products? Well, uh, if you compare like earnings data to basically like, you know, credit scoring data, you know, we basically have earnings data as granular down to like, you know, the gamers within a specific guild. Or if you look at it holistically, you know, all those different gamers within that guild, so all the scholars, right, then you could also see the whole performance of the whole guild. And so what can we extend to them? We can extend them loans, advances, you know, we can extend them, you know, lines of credit, mm-hmm. you know, based on historical performance. And so that's one thing that we're looking at. Another thing that we're looking at is how do we think that, you know, this whole guild space is going to evolve? Like um, for me, for instance, I personally believe that the larger the guild becomes, the more clumsy and the less agile they become. Mm-hmm. So if you have, um, I, I guess, you know, you being an asset manager, you know, I, I don't know if this is also true for you guys, but it, I, I can tell you like in an Axie scholarship perspective, if you're holding uh, a lot of old assets from Axie, um, so let's say I have 1,000 accounts, right, that I'm leasing out to scholars, mm-hmm. right? Now, there's no way that I've probably updated, you know, scholar number one's account, mm-hmm. you know, for a couple of months. And so that means, uh, you know, this this Axie probably is underperforming compared to the newest Axie that I'm holding in my latest accounts. Now, um, let's say Axie rolls out a change in the game and the in the game me- mechanics, and now you need to replace one Axie in one thousand different accounts. Now, this is going to be a very costly task for the person who has one thousand accounts. Uh-huh. Right? So, one Axie right now is about two hundred dollars. Right? You got a thousand accounts, that's a two hundred thousand dollar investment uh-huh. just to change one Axie because the game makers said, "I'm changing this one mechanic." Right? Then. Uh, now compare that to, you know, uh, a guild that's only 20, um, accounts, right? So for them, you know, the investment is much, much smaller mm-hmm. and they are way more agile at being able to adapt to all of these, uh, different, uh, you know, game mechanic changes from the game developer. And we've seen it happen in the past. Uh, Axie has done it. They've changed game mechanics like on a whim without much notice. And you've got to adapt really quick. Uh-huh. Right. And so someone who's a thousand accounts deep is definitely not going to be able to adapt very quickly compared to someone who's only 20 accounts. And so the question is, how do I find out who are those guilds that are only 20 accounts? And how do I know which ones are performing well? Right. Guess what, David? We've got that data. So we can help bring out those micro guilds, you know, that are of like only those 20 accounts and help people identify who they are. Now you can either, you know, larger guilds can either partner, acquire, invest, you know, into these micro guilds. And that's where we want to be the facilitator of those kind of partnerships and investments. That is a 
fantastic summary of why we got so excited about what you're building there, Peter. And just as a reference point, so people understand, the scholars in YGG, on average, are making anywhere between 4,700 to 5,000 SLP per month. And as Peter alluded to, there is some fluctuation in the price of of SLP in, in dollar denominations. But if you look at that over a time period, they're averaging about three to five hundred dollars per month that they're making by playing this game. And that is life changing for people, especially during COVID, especially during quarantines, especially during unemployment periods, especially during hyperinflation periods in certain parts of the world. And the model is branching out to other parts of the world. Um, I was very public about this yesterday on Coindesk, and people can look at this, is that one of the areas that appears to be a focal point is Brazil now, where you have 200 million people there. You have 47% population, uh, 47% penetration of gamers, so 95 million gamers. They have experienced similar things to the Philippines in terms of unemployment. You know, obviously, the, the population has been ravaged by COVID. You have economic periods of hyperinflation. These are all things where people can play a game. And I think uh, our friend Miko over at Gumi Ventures labeled this the perfect way is a grind economy where you can grind out a game, play for a few hours. And over the course of a month, you have enough money now to pay for food and groceries and for clothing for your family. That is something that is a game changer. That is real use case. That is something that is helping people. Um, And What blockchain space is doing is enabling the infrastructure there to efficiently get those players paid in addition to all the different analytics that they can now provide to ensure more optimization. But at the end of the day, one of the things that drew me is that if you have all of these players that are grinding out and, you know, effectively making a living by playing this game, they need to get paid and they need to get paid efficiently and in a way that obviously meets their needs. And this is something that has been a boondoggle uh, until blockchain space came about. So Peter, where can people more find out more about blockchain space if they want to learn a little bit more? So the best places to find us are on Twitter. So we are blockchain underscore SPC. And then um, if you go to our website, we are blockchainspace.asia. Awesome. This was Peter Ng, co-founder of Blockchain Space, one of our newest investments in the Endeavor Fund. Peter, thank you so much for coming on the show today, telling us all about Axie, about the Philippines, about your journey, and obviously about Blockchain Space. We will have you on again in a few months to catch up. Thanks so much, David. Pleasure. Thanks for listening in to Baselayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. And let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets.